Mark Stein is a Brit who is very well known in that country over there. He's on television, he's on radio, he's an author, and he's on something called GB News. Mark is no stranger to the royal family. He has interacted with the departed Queen Elizabeth often, and I am now about to speak with Mark Stein. So, when did you first meet Her Majesty? Uh, the first time would be back in the 1990s, at which time I thought of her already as an uh, elderly lady. I didn't actually think there'd be uh, another uh, third of a century to go, but I, I'm, I've met her twice, two private occasions, uh, once in London and once in Canada, and I, I was basically the only journalist on the planet who was having dinner at Buckingham Palace on the night that Australians voted on whether to become a republic. And what was interesting to me about that was uh, the royal family were quietly confident that they had nothing to worry about and that Australians would stick with the crown. What did you think? I, I realized that the minute you see the Queen, whom I have seen, it, it, it's awesome. But what did you think of her as a person, how she looked, how she dressed, how she handled you? It's nervous-making the first time. It is, it is nervous because you've got all this stuff in your head about how you're meant to bow from the neck. Uh, George George V said only waiters bow from the waist, so you shouldn't make yourself look like a waiter because otherwise she'll order a tumbler of scotch from you. And it was uh, so. Uh, the, the thing about it is, she's a small. She was a physically small person, but she's the centre of the room. And and the fact is, she's she was. I can't really yet get used to speaking about her in the past tense but she has a perfect sense of herself uh, and a way to put people at ease i was uh, uh, standing alongside her when some rather surly quebec separatists came up and she just lapsed into absolutely fluent perfect french but with that cut glass english accent uh, so she was oh monsieur mais c'est absolument délicieux and he being a rather surly churlish ungrateful quebec separatist uh, had had absolutely no desire to be charmed by his monarch uh, but he was he couldn't avoid it he was stunned by the fact that she just started jabbering away in french and uh, he struggled to keep up with her Tell me what she had in that handbag. <laughs> well, she she was the the royal family are all very practical because they're out on the road meeting thousands upon thousands upon stra of strangers every day of the week, and they always you know I think it was uh, King Edward VIII's great line, which is a piece of advice. I commend to anybody who ever does anything in public that you should never miss an opportunity uh, to go to the bathroom. So even if you don't need to go, you should always go uh, because in 40 minutes' time you're going to be chatting uh, to some prime minister of uh, Fiji and there won't be an opportunity to go. So she and had the loo in her handbag? No, she didn't have the, <laughs> the loo in the handbag, but she had all those... Uh, I, I don't want to be indiscreet, but I was actually told that she had a toilet seat 
cover in her handbag in case she took one of those bathroom breaks and the bathroom wasn't quite in the condition she was expecting. Well, actually, when, when Princess Diana was here in New York, she came to Brooklyn because there was some ballet that she was heading, and there was a private loo just for her. So, I mean, even she was not sitting on everybody else's toilet seat. This is hardly the high-class interview we should be having, but continue on, sweetie. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't actually. I mean, I what I like about her, that's very much the Queen, though. She was, if you you can find pictures of her in in Balmoral, which is a beautiful castle. I've I've been there with my I was there with my little girl uh, a couple of years ago. But it is uh, it it would not no wealthy denizen of Park Avenue would wish to live in that place. It's a big old drafty castle and the Queen when she would be working there she would just be sitting at a very modest desk with a like a three bar space heater that you would pick up at uh, you know Walmart for 15 bucks uh, providing what little heat there was. She, she, was, uh, she was a practical woman and she disliked uh, waste uh, of of any kind, and she was very purposeful about that. Mark, what did courtiers courtiers say to you, or prime the prime people around her before you were approaching the queen? They always give you, don't do this, don't do this, stand here, don't sit down if she hasn't sat. What did they? What rulings did they give you? Well, there's a there's a bit of that from the aide de camp. I was told when I was invited to dinner at Buckingham Palace. The uh, aide de camp told me a bit of that. I arrived, my typical, uh, the way these things go, my plane landed late at Heathrow. I got to the ho- uh, hotel late, so I'm changing late. So I'm rushing through the gates of Buckingham Palace. And I've been thinking on the plane. You are supposed to address your, your majesty, your royal highness, sir, ma'am, on second reference. I was trying to fix it all in my head. I live in the wastelands of New Hampshire, and I'd forgotten a lot of it. So I rush into Buckingham Palace. I'm running a bit late. The footman shows me in, and the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, the Queen's husband, turns towards me and comes towards me. And instead of saying, Your Royal Highness or Sir, I just do the New Hampshire thing, and I stretch out my arm and go, Hi! And he <laughs> would... <laughs> Because uh, uh, I've been away too long, and uh, great, great. and he uh, and, and they're very cool about all that. They they play along, so he just went, uh, uh, well, hi, and shook my and shook my okay. hand, and okay. uh, and they're they're brilliant at that. They were they were magnificent at that. So tell me, how will the world feel about King Charles? Please give me some reference. Well, his first address to his peoples across the Commonwealth, he actually was very explicit in saying that he would now have to back off some of the very activist things he's been doing the last few years. And he hoped his son would take up that role, uh, which I hope he doesn't. But uh, that was interesting to me because he was actually saying, okay, you think of me as this crazy guy who's all about the climate change and ecology and is palling around with Klaus Schwab and the other sinister globalists at Davos. Uh, but I understand I can't do that now. Now I'm the king and the head of the Commonwealth, so I'm putting all that to one side. He more or less actually said that. 
Okay. Are we allowed to bring up the fact that the new queen consort, you should excuse the expression, was what he discovered, discovered once as his Tampax? Are we allowed to bring that up or are we supposed to forget about that? Well, I, I actually had a grand old uh, time doing uh, Prince of Wales tampon jokes back in the 90s. It's like what, reason. what, what, what? Do you well, I, I, I remember, for example, he said he wanted a modest coronation that he just wanted to do in a lounge suit. And I said, oh, well, if you're going to go down that route, why not replace the scepter uh, with a uh, giant tampon? And he was. You said that to him? I didn't say that to him. I actually said it on the BBC. And uh, I also, what was the other one? I think, oh, I, I said, uh, when that tape was leaked, I said, oh, it's like, uh, uh, it, isn't it so typical? Even when you get a cushy job like Prince of Wales, there's still strings attached. I was just doing, I spent a period uh, okay. of about three months just doing cheapo, uh, low-hanging fruit tampon jokes. It's, it's amazing to me, actually, uh, that the guy ever, uh, ever got over that. And it just goes to show how if you just like put your head down and barrel on, you can get over that. Okay, I am not fond of me, me, Megan, nor mm. about her husband, Prince Empty. I am not at all fond of them. And the book where they are trashing the, the family is coming out at a somewhat inappropriate time. Would you not say so? Well, I'd, I'd slightly distinguish. I think Megan is just absolutely ghastly. Uh, she's the worst kind of cheapo, third-rate celebrity f whose personal victimhood, which doesn't, you know, being a a uh, member of the royal family wouldn't strike most people as a kind of victimhood. I think she she's terrible. She thought it was going to be like uh, palling around with George Clooney and Oprah all the time. Yeah. And, in fact, it's a rather dull job where you're opening hospitals or visiting regiments in Bermuda, and yeah. it wasn't her scene at all. He, on the other hand, I think in the, the pictures of him flying back from Balmoral, you see a young man who is... Uh, crushed and caught between the past he has thrown off and this present life as a zealist celebrity in in California. And I think that that's what he is. He's a zealist celebrity. He's of no interest to anybody except that he's whatever in line to the throne. And he and no and the idea that they're going to be big shots in Hollywood is preposterous. Well, the, she is not going to keep him for very long because he's not very bright. His socks are short. When you sh when you cross your legs, you should have socks that go up to your knee, not just on your ankle. You've got to be an idiot. I've watched him with bare ankles. What kind of an idiot is this? Well, okay. that, that, that's because in the royal family, uh, there would be a valet to put your socks on and make sure that your ankles did not show. But he's cast that. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm such a man of the people. I'm willing to put my own socks on. And when you let him put his own socks on, what you see is a lot of pale, white, pasty, yellow, English calf, and uh, not a lot of people want to see that. But you forget that before Meghan, you know, he was actually, he, he wasn't very bright, but he had the common touch. He served honorably oh, they in all Afghanistan. Do. Oh, they all do. Oh, they all do. They all do 20 minutes of something honorable. That's what they all do. But he was a jerk. And I'm, I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm saying it. 
he was a jerk. And and his wife is a jerkette. That's all. Yeah, but they're, but in the end, they're milking something that fades every day. They're like an extreme example of the problem when you're not the first in line for the throne, but you're the, the second. You're born second. Your brother has kids. You go third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. You spend your whole life getting less important. And they thought they could avoid that by moving to Malibu, uh, and they can't. They're, they're, they're gonna get less important every single day, and eventually even Oprah's gonna tire of them, and they won't be able to get her to return, uh, their calls. Well, I'll tell you something, Mark. It wasn't boring speaking to you. I have to tell you that. <laughs> and I look forward, if you all will come out of New Hampshire one day, wherever the hell that is, and you come to a real city, I will even stand you to food. Okay? Uh, okay. New Hampshire is actually next to Maine. Uh, and I've I, heard. I've heard. I, I understand how popular you are there, so I, I, I hope, I, I, I don't, I hope I, I don't have one of those rear ends you can park a truck on or any I've of been, that. Listen, I hated everything, but I love you. I will speak on you again. Thank you, babe. Thank you, Thank honey. you, babe. Thanks, Thank you. Mark. Thanks Bye. a lot, Cindy. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.